Microsoft Story Classic, bringing to you recordings of old storybooks. Chapter 14 of Joel, A Boy of Galilee by Annie Fellows Johnston, according to Estimate Simonides. Simon the leper sat at the door of his cave. He held a roll of vellum in his unsightly fingers. It was a copy of the psalms that Lazarus had once made for him in happier days. Many a time he had found comfort in these hope-inspiring songs of David, but today he was reading with a wail that seemed to come from the depths of his own soul. Thy wrath lieth hard upon me, and thou hast afflicted me with all thy ways. Thou hast put mine acquaintance far from me. Thou hast made me an abomination unto them. I am shut up, and I cannot come forth. Lord, I have called daily upon thee. I have stretched out my hands unto thee. Wilt thou show wonders to the dead? Shall the dead arise again and praise thee? Lord, why castest thou off my soul? Why hidest thou thy face from me? The roll dropped to the ground, and he hid his face in his hands, crying, How long must I endure this? Oh, why was I not taken instead of Lazarus? The sound of someone scrambling over the rocks made him look up quickly. Seth never made his visits at this time of the day, and the strangers had never before found the path to this out-of-the-way place. Joel came on and stopped by the rock where the water jar stood. Simon stood up, covering himself with his mantle and crying out warningly, Beware! Unclean! Come no further! I bring you news from the village, said Joel. The man threw out his hand with a gesture of alarm. Oh, not of my wife Esther, he cried imploringly, or of my little Joseph. I could not bear to hear aught ill from them. My heart is still sore from the death of my friend Lazarus. I went as near the village as I dared, and heard the dirt of the flutes and the wailing of the woman when they laid him in the tomb. I have sat here ever since in sackcloth and ashes. But Lazarus lives again, exclaimed Joel, simply. He had seen so many miracles lately that he forgot the startling effect the announcement would have on one not accustomed to them. The man stood petrified with astonishment. At last he said bitterly, You but mock me, boy. At least leave me to my sorrow in peace. No, cried Joel. As the Lord liveth, I swear it is the truth. Have you not heard that the Messiah has come? I have followed him up and down the country, and know whereof I speak. At a word from him, the dumb sang, the blind see, and the lame walk. I was lame myself, and he made me as you see me now. Joel drew himself up to his fullest height. Simon looked at him, completely puzzled. Why did you take the trouble to come and tell me that, a poor despised leper, he asked finally. Because I want everyone else to be as happy as I am. He cured me. He gave me back my strength. Then why should not my feet be always swift to bring others to him for the same happy healing? He himself goes about all the time doing good. I know there is hope for you, for I have seen him cleanse lepers. Simon trembled as the full meaning of the hope held out to him began to make itself clear to his confused mind. Health, home, Esther, child, all restored to him. It was joy, too great to be possible. Oh, if I can only believe it, he cried. Lazarus was raised when he had been four days dead. All Bethany can bear witness to that, persisted Joel. The words poured out with such force and earnestness as he described the scene that Simon felt impelled to believe him. Where can I find this man, he asked. Joel pointed down the rocky slope. Take that road that leads into Bethany. Come early in the morning, and as we all pass that way, call to him. He never refuses any who have faith to believe that he can grant what they ask. When Joel was halfway down the hill, he turned back. If he does not pass on the morrow, he said, do not fail to be there on the second day. We will surely leave here soon. Simon stood in bewilderment until the boy had passed down the hill. He began to fear that this messenger had been only the creation of a dream. He climbed up on his cliff and peered down into the valley. No, he had not been deceived. The boy was near mirage of his thirsty soul, for there he came out into full sight again, and now he was climbing the opposite hillside. How beautiful upon the mountain are the feet of him who bringeth good tidings, he murmured. Oh, what a heaven opens out before me if these last words are only true. 
Next morning after they left Bethany, Joel looked anxiously behind every rock and tree that they passed, but Simon was not to be seen. Presently Joel saw him waiting farther down the road. He was kneeling in the dust. The white mantle that in his sensitiveness was always used to hide himself from view was cast aside that the great healer might see his great need. He scanned the approaching figures with imploring eyes. He was looking for the Messiah, someone in kingly garments whose jeweled scepter's lightest touch would lay upon him the royal accolade of health. These were evidently not the ones he was waiting for. These were only simple wayfarers. Most of them looked like Galileans. He was about to rise up with his old warning cry of unclean when he caught sight of Joel. Where was the princely redeemer of prophecy? Nearer and nearer they came till he could look full in their faces. No need to ask now on which one he should call for help. Indeed, he seemed to see but one face. It was so full of loving pity. O oh, the Messiah of Israel, he prayed, thou didst call my friend Lazarus from the dead. O oh, pass me not by. Call me from this living death. Make me clean. The eyes that looked down into his seemed to search his soul. Believest thou that I can do this? The pleading faith in Simon's eyes could not be refused. Yea, Lord, he cried, thou hast but to speak the word. He waited, trembling, for the answer that meant life or death to him. I will. Be thou clean. He put out his hand to raise the kneeling man to his feet. Go and show thyself to the priests, he added. The party passed on, and Simon stood looking after them. Was it the Christ who had passed by? Where were his dyed garments from Basra? The prophet foretold him as in glorious in apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. No scepter of divine power had passed over him. It was only the clasp of a warm human hand he had felt. He looked down at himself. Still a leper. His faith wavered, but he remembered he had not obeyed the command to show himself to the priest. Immediately he started across the fields on a run toward the road leading into Jerusalem. Far down the highway, Joel heard a mighty shout. He turned and looked back. There, on the brow of a hill, sharply outlined against the sky, stood Simon. His arms were lifted high up towards heaven, for as he ran, in obedience to the command, the leprosy had gone from him. He was pouring out a flood of praise and thanksgiving, and the first ecstasy of his recovery at the top of his voice. Simon thought of the tiresome ceremonies to be observed before the man could go home, and wished that the eight days of purification were over, that the little family might be immediately reunited. Meanwhile, Seth, with his basket and water bottle, was climbing the hill toward the cave. For the first time in seven years since he had commenced his daily visit, no expectant voice greeted him. He went quite close up to the little room under the cliff, he could see through the half-open doorway that it was empty. And he cautiously approached the mouth of the cave and called his master. A hundred echoes answered him, but no human voice responded. Call after call was sent ringing into the hollow darkness. The deep stillness weighed heavily upon him. He began to be afraid that somewhere in its mysterious depths lay a dead body. The fear mastered him. Only stopping to put down the food and pour out the water, he started home at the top of his speed. As he reached the road, a traveler going to Bethany hailed him. What think you that I just saw now? asked the stranger. A man running with all his might towards Jerusalem. Tears of joy were streaming down his cheeks, and he was shouting as he ran, Cleansed! 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 He stopped me and bade me say if I saw a man carrying a basket and water skin, that Simon the leper has just been healed of the leprosy. He will be home as soon as the days of purification are over. Seth gazed at him stupidly, feeling that he must be in a dream. Esther, too, heard the message unbelievingly. Yet she walked the floor in a fever of excitement, at the bare possibility of such a thing being true. The next morning she sent Seth as usual with the provision, but he brought them back, saying the place was still deserted. Then she began to dare to hope, although she tried to seal herself against disappointment by whispering over and over that she could never see him again. She waited impatiently for the days to pass. At last they had all dragged by. The new day would begin at sunset, the very earliest that he might expect her. The house was swept and garnished as if a king were coming. 
The table was set with the choicest delicacies his sons confided in the Jerusalem markets. The earliest roses, his favorite red ones, were put in every room. In her restless excitement, nothing in her wardrobe seemed rich enough to wear. She tried on one ornament after another before she was seated. Then, all in white, with jewels blazing in her ears, on her throats, on her little white hands, and her eyes shining like two glad stars, she sat down to wait for him. But she could not keep still. This rug was turned up at the corner. That rose had dropped its petals on the floor. She would have another kind of wine on the table. At last she stepped out of the door in her little silken-bound sandals and climbed the outside stairs of the roof to watch for him. The sun was entirely out of sight, but the west was glorious with the red gold of its afterglow. Looking up the Mount of Olives, she could see the smoke of the evening sacrifice rising as the clouds of incense filled the temple. Surely he must be far on the way by this time. Her heart almost stopped beating as she saw a figure coming up the road, between the rows of palm trees. She strained her eyes for a nearer view, then drew a long tremulous breath. It was Lazarus. There went the two children in the lamb to meet him. All along the street, people were standing in the doors to see him go past. He was still a wonder to them. She stayed her eyes with her hand and looked again. But while her gaze searched the distant road, someone was passing just below, under the avenue of leafy trees, with quick, impatient tread. Someone paused at the vine-covered door. Someone was leaping up the stairs three steps at a time. Someone was coming towards her with outstretched arms, crying, Esther! Little Esther! Oh, my wife! My God-given one! For the first time in seven years, she turned to find herself in her husband's arms, strong and well with the old light in his eyes, the old thrill in his voice, the glow of perfect health tingling through all his veins. He could only whisper tremulously as he held her close. Praise God! Praise God! No wonder he seemed like a stranger to Joseph. With the clasp of the strong arms and the deep voice saying, My son, so tenderly, were inexpressibly dear to the little fellow kept so long from his birthright of a father's love. He was the first to break the happy silence that fell upon them. What a good man Rabbi Jesus must be to go about making people glad like this all the time. It is he who shall redeem Israel, exclaimed Simon. To God be the glory who has sent him into this sin-cursed world. Henceforth all that I have and all that I am shall be dedicated to his service. Kneeling there in the dying daylight, with his arms around the wife and child so unexpectedly given back to him, such a heartfelt prayer of gratitude went upward to the good father that even the happiest angels must have paused to listen, more glad because of this great earth gladness below. End of chapter 14 Thank you for listening to another episode of Acre Salt Story Classic.